0: talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Theergartner, interior designer and owner of David Theergartner Interiors right here in beautiful, today especially, Manhattan. On tonight's show, Breaking Ground, my guest tonight is landscape architect Hardy Stecker from Ken Smith Workshop. Hardy's work as a landscape architect for Ken Smith, Workshop is committed to creating landscapes, especially parks and other public spaces, as a way of improving the quality of urban life. Much of the workshop design pushes beyond the traditional landscape typologies, such as plazas and streets and gardens, to landscapes that draw on diverse cultural traditions and influences. Hardy is involved with a particular emphasis on projects that explore the symbolic contact and expression power of landscape as an art form. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started! ever sat quietly on a beach staring out into the ocean past the horizon quietly absorbing the vastness of it all allowing your mind to wonder about the magnificence in front of you and then all of a sudden out of nowhere as if you were lost in that beautiful thought a wave crashes upon your feet You can taste the ancient salt water as it sprays across your face. And in that moment, in that fleeting second, did you ever wonder where on earth did that wave come from? Where? From the depths of the ocean? Or perhaps a thousand miles away did it come from a different place at a different time and crash upon your feet at that precise moment where you were standing right there in front of you. Where do they come from, these ocean waves? I feel the same way when I look up into the midnight sky, into the same sky that our ancestors found mysterious and unexplainable. What they didn't know then and what we know now is that those stars are millions of miles away. And that twinkle we see, well, that happened hundreds of light years ago it happened at a different time before we were born before the world as we know it existed now all of those shimmering sparkling stars shining down on us today in our time in our place happened light years ago so much of what we design today comes from our past from our personal histories, like the best interior design for your home reflects your life, your family's journey. Just as perhaps a magnificent landscape park is inspired by the countryside of days gone by. So much of what we see, of what moves us, what draws us in, what we noticed, happened so many ways before us before we paid attention, before we knew to know, before we existed. I was walking through Central Park yesterday, and if you are listening anywhere near New York City, you must go, because I don't ever remember a time before when the forsythia and the daffodils and the cherry blossom trees were all blooming at the same time. It's quite something to see. But all of it, all of the trees and the flowers, the rolling hills, the paths, the bridges, all of that reminded me that Central Park was designed to preserve the magnificent countryside of our past. Where we came from, the farm, the woods, the edge of a pond, and here, in the grandest city on earth, The tallest residential building in the world is a block away from a park that preserves the way we used to be yesterday, a generation ago, a hundred years ago. Frederick Law Olmsted, the famous landscape architect of Central Park, drew upon our past to create paths that strolled under bridges, that allowed friends to sit and talk next to a pond or an individual to read quietly in a meadow. In a meadow, in the middle of the largest city in the world. Olmstead quieted New Yorkers' busy, busy minds by drawing from our oldest and deepest instincts of who we used to be. The other great landscape architect and designer, Jeffrey Jellicoe, when describing the JFK Memorial in England, drew upon the subconscious of the landscape. He gathered his designs for the memorial on the truce and the history of our assassinated president, from our American democracy, from the collective thought that created the Magna Carta on the same plot of land 800 years before. He believed in a design concept of the world that you see and the world behind it. Sort of a Wizard of Oz kind of storyline. Great design comes from everywhere. From history, societal change, personal pain and sacrifice, glory, days and weeks and years, or just a moment in time. But in some way it says that Everything old is new again. And that's exactly why I want to talk to landscape architect Hardy Stecker about. What makes landscape architect architecture more important today than ever before? What connects us to the environment, to the ground, to the earth and the sky, the trees and the flowers? It is more than a plot of land, but what that plot of land is connecting us to. What is the purpose and what is the art in creating it there, at that place, at this time? Public spaces speak to our common journey. A good public space speaks to our past, all the while moving us into the future as if we were all breaking ground together. When we come back, My conversation with landscape architect Hardy Stecker from Ken Smith Workshop. This is At Home. I'm David Theergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes.
1: Dreams can.
0: guest tonight landscape architect and designer hardy stecker hardy i am thrilled to death to have you on tonight thank you so much and welcome to at home
1: thank you i'm so glad to be here
0: it's a real pleasure for me um well everybody knows by now that i ask the same question over and over again and that is what is your definition of beauty and what specifically is beautiful in your home
1: in my home well I'd like to ask, answer that second because uh, the first is a really good question about what is beautiful and uh, I think that changes all the time I think that's temporal and I want to touch on what you said about Central Park because right now there's a color in the trees that you only see in this moment of spring okay. it's this chartreuse that is beautiful and it is sublime. It is, I and beauty can be sublime.
0: Thank you for bringing that up because it is absolutely spectacular color.
1: And it stops you in your tracks. And I think that's what beauty does. And it it's can. It's sort
0: of when the leaves are just it's starting to emerge out of the trees. Babiest, babyest
1: yeah. first. And it happens for the shortest time. And you can't create it again.
0: No, I mean I'm a, I love chartreuse by the way. In my apartment, there's plenty of chartreuse to go around. <laughs> it's an odd color that a lot of people don't appreciate. I think it's a sophisticated color sure. on, on my part, but you're right because a leaf can go from a bud to full foliage in three days
1: or a day. Or, I mean, you see it one minute, you know, it it literally goes overnight, and it's that spring moment. You just want to bottle it up, but you don't because it's it's that moment of beauty of spring, and it just is.
0: I might not have ever been as excited <laughs> about that answer in all the times that I've asked that question, but <laughs> I, I want to bring up too that it also depends if it's a beautiful sunny day or if it's a cloudy, overcast, rainy day. It doesn't right. have the same measure of. of Although it's, still, it's to still, it still
1: grabs <laughs> you because it still is it's, that. It is that wonder of of. You know,
0: people think we're crazy. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait until Benjamin Moore comes on and I'll (laughs) talk about chartreuse (laughs) and pink colors. But go ahead. So now, what's what's beautiful? I love that answer. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Um,
1: That was fun to think about uh, because it 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 it, that's that's right now. But what's beautiful in my home is is a good question as well. Um, My husband's an architect and he has created home. Well. He's created a home for our family, uh, in Brooklyn, and I'm sure we'll touch on it. At We're gonna p- at some point too, in upstate. the country. Um, but he, what's beautiful in my home, well, is my family. Yeah. But but is the way that he has sort of he well the way he has created spaces that work for our family, down to the detail of how we use it, down to the detail of how we see it. Um, but he's created places for our our people. And, and that that to me is, is beautiful.
0: Great answer. Custom design. Nothing better than that. Um, everybody should have it if they can. All right. Let's move on. Um, and your husband's a magnificent architect. Uh, why did you decide to become a landscape architect?
1: Well, I don't know that I decided to become a landscape architect. Uh, I feel like it sort of found me. Oh, okay. Um, I was an anthropology major in college with a minor in sculpture and found landscape architecture, you know, after being a part of the design world through art and sculpture and being around art in my family, um, but also working with my hands and, and understanding that landscape and building are connected and being a gardener quite frankly for you know for a college uh, president in the town the summer after I graduated from uh, college with a degree in in anthropology I sort of got my hands dirty and worked with a perennial garden and sort of restoring it and that led me to moving out to California and working uh, with plants.
0: I mean isn't it just so fascinating that something happened right this President of the University asked you to help with her perennial flower bed, and that ignited lit up something that brought all of your worlds together your family's ability to have art and right. your um, anthropology degree and and everything else i mean it's it's just fascinating
1: it, it I feel fortunate to have to have to found it in that stumble upon it because i didn't I also you know with an anthropology degree did not have really quite frankly did not have parents pressuring me into what are you going to do with your life right they let me find my way and I uh, studied in Indonesia for a semester abroad in college and I was in Bali and I was just blown away by the terraced rice fields I studied rice farming I studied uh, the anthropology of food and there was a sort of connection to landscape and then working with my hands and then moving out to California I sort of got to find my way into the profession my own way. And then I worked for a landscape architect uh, who has now passed, but it was a... um, I was an administrative assistant in Lawrence Halpern's office, and he was able to show me the connection between landscapes and people. That it wasn't about gardens, and gardens are great, um, but it, it was about creating places for people. And so suddenly, like, Eureka, I can be a landscape architect, and I can design places for people with plants, and that's when I went to graduate school.
0: And now we're off to the races. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <boom. So> Fantastic. <laughs> what is the main purpose other than what you just pointed out? So, um, the philosophical purpose of landscape architect is what you just said, right?
1: Well, I mean, I, yeah, I think I think it's fundamentally about people, and 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 you know, like you touched on Olmsted earlier. I mean, it can be respite. It can be um, active, passive it, landscapes are, are for people, and parks are for people. And how we're in, how we're you know always constantly um, looking at the program that is brought to a site. the the client is the client's not only um, the person who is who's asking you to design something, but your client is the user of the space.
0: I'm going to jump a little bit ahead, but isn't it odd that I think, and what you were just stating is that we sort of take for granted. Like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that you can take Central Park for granted, but I think a lot of people do. Right. I think it's there, and I walk through it, and then I walk to the other side of it, right? But, I mean, there's the take for granted the public spaces that are available to us. Right. Right? I mean, I live across from a square. I walk across that square twice a day, right? And it's just my traversing to the train, right? I have to stop myself and see this the chartreuse mm-hmm. leaves sort of burning. But anyway, it's interesting now that we 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 take that uh, a public space for granted sometimes, that it's just supposed to be there, and maybe that is because it fits so well into the right. into the community that it's 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 in, yeah. How do you how do you how do you start that though? What what is the do you start with the quality of sight? Do you start with the purpose? Do you start with again traversing like the paths uh, that people need to get through the park? Do you start with the hardscape, the vista, the view? How do you how do you start a project that so many people are going to be involved with?
1: No, that's a good question, and i i work with I work for Ken Smith, who is uh, really. Uh, continues to teach me and I've worked f- for him for 15 years and you're the senior project manager I, I'm a senior associate in the office mm-hmm. and um, and he and I have worked together for a long time now but I constantly learn from his process because he is so good at taking a project um, in its beginnings and and analyzing it from all perspectives so that you have a you start with a core concept and you sort of, you're not being tactical about things. You're sort of you're not starting with you know tactical solutions. You're starting with a concept and you're starting with an idea and you're analyzing it and you know it could have roots in materiality and 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 function and program and all those things. But there's a there's a big idea there and there's an overall concept and that guides you in the beginning. And, and then, so I, that's project specific. There's yeah. no formulaic
0: depending on where the location is, what the purpose of the project is. Right. Like, so you did the Silverstein family park in the world trade center. Right. Can you just sort of talk about, um, that specific project and how they came to you? Well, they asked that you. that
1: project was actually just in... Um, I started in 2004 and that project, I think, had been through design um, in construction at the time. So I didn't get to go through that design process on that particular park. But that was also post 9-11 and sort of the beginnings of the rebuilding of downtown. And so um, that was a very small parcel, but I think Ken brilliantly mm-hmm. found the program to create a park there um and had a had a had a had the client who was able to um impart you know ideas about what that place should be and and he had to solve can also had to solve you know issues of infrastructure and like anything when building in the city and there's a fountain there you know all the all the complicated um spaghetti (laughs) for lack of a better word of you know infrastructure and um growing trees you know being a landscape architect in, in New York is is no small feat. It's full of full of challenges above and below grade, right? right. So, um, that's a really sweet moment I think, and it still is there, um, down down there where where the the whole area is being rebuilt.
0: I think you said it below and above grade, which is yeah. a really fascinating way to. Uh, talk about all of the challenges that any city probably would have um, with a plant or a tree for instance right and so but where does that fit in the determination of a landscape architect what what would be the first thoughts I guess that's what I'm trying to get at what are the first thoughts right so pick any project that you want that you're working on right now and what are some of the first thoughts is it that a hundred thousand people are going to walk through this in a given day is it that um it's a destination to go to right like for instance the highline i don't think ever expected the amount of people, people. that are on yeah. that every day right um how do you figure some of that stuff out i mean it's so different than interior design mm.
1: yeah that's a good question um i mean that that is landscape in cities it's it is about the environment and it's about the people that use it. And, uh, you know, so right now I'm involved in a lot of projects that are have been in the office for a number of years and are now going into construction. Mm. So I'm trying to think of a way I could talk about going through the design process sort of as you ask the question, except to say that we've also been doing um, roof terraces, which have a smaller program that, like the at-grade, um, below-grade question, right? Yeah. So it's like, um, how do you build on a terrace? Like for instance, we've done two terraces at Three World Trade Center recently, and those are those are uh, those are about the users of the space. This is about office offices using public open space in a very, you know, constrained constrained area. It's small how can you create a, a place that people can have their lunch and people could have a business meeting and, and plug in their laptop or their phone I mean, and be outside and be outside, and, and be in the public landscape arena. is, I mean, and I, thank you for letting this question evolve because I think the high line is like everything about landscape architecture in the last, I mean, we could say the last 10 years and last 20 years is constantly reinventing itself right. because, you know, architects, and landscape architects have been working together collaboratively for years, but landscape is sort of coming more and more into the forefront because places like the High Line an Elevated Rail, um, the work that's going on in Brooklyn and in Manhattan along the, the waterfront, and we've done work along these waterfront sites and even um, the Croton Water Treatment Plant, which is a project up in the Bronx, which is over at Water Filtration Plant. These are the landscapes of today. Right. They aren't parcels of. I mean, the amount of at-grade, undisturbed is like very minimal now. Right. Doesn't exist. It anymore. doesn't exist. So, so no, it's it,
0: not like you can grab an acre of land in New York City and make a park out of it. No. Right. No. Doesn't happen anymore.
1: No. And even a streetscape is full of infrastructure challenges. and yeah. challenges. We're going through that in the reconstruction of Ninth Avenue, which is down in the meatpacking district. You know, so it's like, it's a great question because I think especially being a landscape architect in New York is always about, you know, public space is constantly changing. And
0: so I would think that the biggest challenge, and this is the meat of the potatoes, I think, Mm. is where the middle ground between nature and culture come together. Right. Right. That tree and that person. Right. Where is that middle ground where they... Are both allowed to be in that space, and how do you figure that out? I don't. (laughs) That's a tough
1: nut to crack. I think it's it's just understanding both. Yeah, understanding both. It's 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 being friendly to both users of the space. A tree needs its soil, you know, and
0: and its it's room and its space to grow. Yeah, yeah, doesn't want to be trampled on, right? No. The roots certainly don't, right? No, no. So, and no. then allowing the people to be a part of the shade that the tree grows. Yeah, I mean, it's a really fascinating sort of thought process no, it, that it is, really is different than architecture. It's different than interior design. Sure. Um, we don't have those constraints, you know. I'm right. not in a living room with a growing another growing being uh, that demands
1: its own set of
0: rules and yeah. and essential requirements, right? So so very interesting. Ken, um do you want to talk about I mean we we were talking briefly before we started the show about your um the east side the the east side here in New York, all the way up uh, I think into the nineties, right? right? And coming all the way down into the lower east village into Battery Park is all that waterfront is all being redone. Sure. It's really, really exciting. There's the Esplanade in, in a certain segment, which yeah. you guys are dealing with mostly. And then we were talking about, I'm going to say Muscle Beach, but I'm from L.A. (laughs) And we have Muscle Muscle Beach. (laughs) We have Muscle Beach there, but it's different than your Muscle Beach because you have real muscles growing there.
1: Yeah. So the the work along the East River waterfront has been um, going on over 10 years uh, with shop architects. And um, right now I'm working on the construction administration phase of uh, Pier 35 um, and the Muscle Beach, which was uh, done... And I don't have the exact date. At least five years ago, um, creating muscle habitat, and as as we all know, along the um, the waterfront sites, things like oysters and muscle. I mean, there is there's an ecology there. You're creating an ecology for muscles. Um, I mean,
0: we do live in you know in an ocean river, yeah, you know I mean we're an island in the middle of all of those, and there's things a huge history
1: together. there, you know, for the island itself, but yes, but so so pier thirty five is just um fully open to the public um recently and is a great uh pier park
0: right, it's very exciting. we posted some pictures on Instagram, so take a look at that, and I have the Eastside esplanade there. And the, and the muscles is just, it's a beautiful part of where, of today, living here now. It's that an ecology. People, yeah, that people are interested in saying, this is important. If we're going to recreate this, let's recreate this and include that. It's pretty fantastic. Listen, we're going to take a break um, and uh, come back and talk to Hardy about uh, a whole list of other things as quickly as we can. You're listening to At Home on talkradio.nyc.
2: I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. I talk to the stars, but they never hear me. The breeze hasn't time to stop and hear what I say. I talk to them all in vain.
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
2: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York. A weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
0: talking to landscape architect and designer hardy stecker from ken smith workshop you can follow ken smith workshop on instagram at ken smith workshop this is all pretty easy stuff (laughs) and you can also take a look at their website kensmithworkshop.com um and then before we get into the questions from our listeners send all your questions to david at Interiors.com and put in the subject line at home Hey, there's so much more to talk about. So uh, we didn't even get halfway through the questions. Let's talk about scale and proportion because I'm really fascinated by that. That, I think, to me, in interior design is one of the things that we deal with our clients all the time. Uh, I, I think that... Um, as professionals, we deal with scale and proportion, uh-huh. but as lay people or as a new client or somebody who's never designed their home before, uh-huh. scale and proportion is an odd thing. It's a, it's a, it, it's, it's a hard struggle to figure out. Sure. I spend a lot of time trying to explain how a piece of furniture takes up a certain amount of space and what the relationship is to another piece. So when you talk about landscape architect, on right. where we're talking about acres of land or you yeah. know hundreds of feet of space, human beings office or or skyscrapers or roadway passages how on earth do you understand the scale and proportion of what you're doing on the ground or on a terrace and how does that all work in your head
1: well uh you know it's a great question and it's it's part of i think what led me to work with ken really well as he was my studio instructor um when I was in graduate school, um, we had a studio where we designed a piece of site furniture first. Okay. We had a concept that was about a term and mine was mobility. And it just became this tool to sort of start with the detail and take the detail and work it up to a, to a temporary design and then to a permanent design. It was sort of like start with the detail, start with the scale and proportion and the concept and then bring it into a design te- of a landscape. And then,
0: then test that theory against where uh, right. the project's gonna be it's or gonna live. Be, right. Yeah.
1: So that's one tidbit. And then I'll I remember I don't remember it and Ken I won't speak for you here, but he did a, a lecture called Big Little Skip the Middle. And it was sort of this idea like there's there's the detail and the big idea, but like, you know, sort of skipping the middle ground of, of something. And, and and I won't and I won't speak for that concept entirely, but I kind of I always liked the title of that lecture because it was like, you know, what's the big idea and what's, what's the detail that brings you there? E- even if I'm appropriating that terminology, I love the big little skip the middle, like, you know, go for the, go for the proportion and the scale and figure out the idea and fit it into the context of the big. Right. right? I love so this. I find that we do this.
0: Because the middle is full of all of the dredge work, right? It's full of all of the, the problems and stuff in it can hamper or can suppress the initial creative thought, the initial creative feeling. Is that the Yeah, yeah, concept? yeah. And I
1: think that, yeah. Because, and, and, I mean, that
0: is a part of design, is all of that dredge work. But if you're going to live in that space, then the idea get It ideas doesn't exist washed. without the yeah. big and the little, yeah, right? I get it. So... It's, so, this is a great lesson for young people. Actually. I think
1: that, you know, how does your couch feel in your living room? And I don't know if you, but like we constantly do full scale mock-ups when it comes to like a paver size. We, we build models by hand. You double check We double check ourselves because until you take that paver yeah. or you take that, you know, profile of the handrail or or the the way that the the edging meets the sidewalk and study it in a one-to-one scale you don't understand it right and and so
0: all of the computer models all of yeah yeah yeah. right you gotta put it on site so we do a
1: lot of full-scale mock-ups in the design process
0: that's a great takeaway thank you for that how do you make large spaces public spaces intimate
1: I mean, how is that right. a
0: thought? Are you is that something to worry about? Is that something designed for? Of course.
1: I mean, I think social space, how you sit with someone, how you, um, you know, how do two people sit together? How, how do does two one people sit, sit at, sit at a bench looking over Central Park that, Pond? That, that, right? That's a huge. Yeah. That's a huge consideration, and and that was something in the East River waterfront that, um, that was that was really thought about. Uh, was how 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 that social interaction works.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's important. It's important yeah, if you're going to create public spaces. Here's I want to get into planting as we can, um, because I, I, I'm, that's you know I'd like to think of myself as an amateur gardener um, when I get out of my interior head, and I certainly love my property. But uh, um, you know landscapes aren't instantaneous. This no. is this has been my great life lesson, right? That you plant something today it takes this year to have its roots find its place and the next year for the growth to happen and then it's the third year 3 Bam. years later you get this incredible blossom or this sort of um fuller more Developing plants. Oh, for sure. You guys are creating these huge expanse of plantings, what thousands of plants at one time, and you have to wait. You know, there's no speedy way to make those plants look instantaneously, is there? I mean, how do you how do you know? Uh, I don't know. It's just I, I find that also fascinating. The waiting, the patience, sure. The understanding that it will look different in three years.
1: No, that's that's completely true you you plant something and the day one is not is not the <laughs> it's year not five the, yeah it's not yeah and so th- that's completely But it. like
0: i put a sofa in that sofa's there
1: yeah sure no i can see the right, difference i'm done in time. see ya, pack up my bags <laughs> i'm ready
0: to go yeah, yeah.
1: no it's true and, and landscapes are, are living and 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 again so is the public realm as you create landscapes that have to okay. endure uh you know Climate and climate. and um, and public use and um, that that that's that's part of the process too.
0: Here's a tough question for you, I think, because I've always wondered about it. So, uh, and I'll go back a little historically. For instance, uh, throughout America, most towns planted like a certain tree, and I'm going to forget now. But the American. Elm tree that mm-hmm. then in the 50s or I guess in the 70s had a terrible disease, right. all of the trees were cut down, right? And so now these communities that have these incredible, beautiful, bellowing streets of trees arcing over each other all were cut down because they died. Now we get into this sort of new sense where we plant in my neighborhood, there's 17 different trees just because they're you know, they want if something has a disease or gets a blight not the whole right, street. Sinking right. down. So do you plant, uh, no, how do I want to say this? Are landscapes created for certain specimens or, or what's the other part of that question? Or do you, do you decide on what the best, in other words, Hey, I really want an elm tree here. Or do you decide, you know what, the best tree for this site is this.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think. Did that make sense it, at all? It does, but I think I can touch on something I think you'll find really interesting from a perspective of sort of the science of soil and and oh, how you oh, grow right. uh, grow trees, right? But um, I mean, a lot of things if they're in the streetscape of New York, you you are adhering to some of the parks department's guidelines on what trees are, are going to grow well because there's been an incredible amount of research, you know, in terms of what is going to do well in the what urban, yeah, and what can and handle, all the but also but also things like. Disease. Yeah. So I I accept that science. But, you know, right now we're doing street trees on a uh, site in Midtown, and we're actually using this um, system called Silva cells. And they are like imagine like a milk crate that becomes the structural, uh, structural like a structural soil. Do you know the term structural soil? So a structural soil has less organic material. It's mostly made of um, aggregate size that sort of creates a stability that can hold up the sidewalk, but still gives you the ability to let the tree roots go. And so that's been a technology that's been around for a while. But silva cells are like um, plastic crates, really, that or like like infrastructure. Yeah, that that can do the structural support of the sidewalk, but give you the ability to put just a topsoil in Mm -hmm. which is a much richer soil for the trees Mm -hmm. so that they can really have the room to to be a great tree and to and to have a root zone and to have a you know longevity to them it's it's a it's a a more it's an innovative way that we can start to deal with urban conditions and soil and trees how exciting that's a wonderful
0: new innovation yeah i love that i need that on my my yard even though I have know the th- worst <laughs> soil in the whole wide world, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what are the components that take landscape design into uh, like an art form? Do you think what 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 transforms it into art?
1: I I think it's 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 the big moves. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's the big it's the big gesture. It's the it's the beauty that can come from a, from a, a a big wonderful. Gesture that really makes you stop and your track, and I think that's artful. Um,
0: you were talking about the on the east side. Yeah, Esplanade, so the vine this, wall. The yeah, vine wall. talk so about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so that to me is that's beautiful. a big gesture. That's, that's
1: a big gesture, and it's a big, beautiful one, really. And uh, and it's um, it's over three hundred feet long and thirty feet high, and it screens the Department of Sanitation building from this pier. And um, shop has, and and, and Ken, Ken have created this folded topiary wall that then has the amount of soil volume that can support a spe- uh, five different vine species, which we're going to plant in the next few weeks, that will then climb up this big vine wall. And how
0: high is this vine 30 wall? feet. 30 feet. 30, 35 I missed feet. that, yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's also a folded screen that becomes... That will become the armature for these vines to grow, and you can see it from the bridges. And it's lit at night. It's it's right near the FDR. It's 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 a lovely project, and it's got the, um, it's got the big move that is just gonna. It's gonna it's gonna stop people.
0: Well, so yeah, so that is exactly where the art comes uh, from using natural materials and just uh, basic. Uh, utilitarian sort of materials as well, right? Sure. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I did notice in some of your projects that there is actually art that goes through it, right? As a part of the overall landscape design or was it applied after the fact? I mean, was it always... For instance, I think we posted a beautiful red ribbon sort of stair oh, railing. Oh, the stair!
1: Yeah, so that—that's Ken's.
0: Was that an original concept? Yeah, or that's did an it original ha- concept. That's
1: an original concept, and that was a yes. That that, um, there there's an artful way that um, that, that our office can 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 make a gesture. So I mean there's but, that
0: kind of art and then there's Right, fra- and then art. there's a
1: sighting art. Yeah. I mean then there's like Coles Commons, which is a great project I worked on in Des Moines, Iowa, where we had a Klaus Oldenburg sculpture. And then we introduced another sculpture by another artist. And and that was really um, two ways of integrating art into landscape. And they they both have their stories.
0: Fantastic. Before we run out of time, which we are, I want to talk a little bit about your project in your country house um, and what you you have a beautiful you're, it's your house is sited so amazingly well um, but you're on a pond you have an incredible sort of uh, outcropping of natural rock material of course with some water coming through all of that mm-hmm. and then you've decided to create sort of a custom blend of how would you describe
1: well it's a meadow mix that uh, is is really a platform for the house' uh, to sort of you know, the, the land was quite disturbed from the construction of the house, but it's a way of sort of knitting back the land on a house that I think really looks like it belongs there. And so I very sits much so well. sit so well there that I wanted it to have a home um, as Kyle asked me to think about a, a landscape for it. It's it's really a meadow mix that I designed with a palette of color, which I thought would um, w- look Really lovely with the Corten steel, which is the exterior of the house. which, is, sort of a which is a weathered steel, orangey right. color. So um, the meadow is a is a blend of greens, grasses, and then forbs, which are you know perennial, uh, perennials that are flowering. Hopefully, <laughs> as the temporal goes, I've yes. seen some things go before the deer ate some of it this fall. But um, white, yellow, and purple, oh, yeah. which I just think looks lovely. Uh, against the the Corten and the uh, the the other concrete and 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 uh, and black exterior.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's an amazing site. and it's not a little meadow. I mean, you know, it it it, it does spread out on both sides of the and house and meets
1: also the the adjacent natural landscape there, which is meant to be integrated with you know already naturally occurring meadow.
0: Yeah. Were there any other considerations for you in landscaping your own home? I mean, was you know, again, you know, uh, you guys cut down a beautiful maple tree, turn that into some incredible furniture. But in, in taking that tree away, did you have an obligation to um, to plant a, another tree?
1: Well, I have a lot of time to figure that out. You do. You do. <laughs>
0: you just moved in. Listen, Hardy, believe it or not, it always happens. I here. We are I. out of time. I, I have. 20 more questions to ask you. I can't thank you so much.
1: Of course. If you
0: don't mind, we're going to take some questions from our listeners and if you'll help me answer those, I would appreciate it. Love to. Terrific. This is At Home and Hardy and I will be back in a big moment.
1: You're listening to The Talking Alternative
2: Network.
0: The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us, right here on TalkRadio.nyc.
2: Are you a conscious co creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness?
0: talkingalternative.com Let's uh, let's take some amazing questions. I'm taking a look at some of them. They're really incredible. Here's the first one that I like so much. This mm-hmm. is Evan six oh nine. Values seem to have shifted in the city over recent uh, decades. Um, parks and public spaces seem to become a very important part of of city life now. Where do you think that came from? Where do you think the shift? in an urbanization, uh, to public spaces have come from. Do you agree with that? I mean, I feel like that's true too. I mean, I I think the big gesture using gesture was of course the Highline. That was a huge, significant change, but also is the East side waterway. That's, that was a dedication by the city to create that space. Yeah. And then I, I know for myself, the little square in front of me, which is probably 100 years old, you know, that recently got redeveloped. Um, and I feel that every corner or every plaza or every sort of uh, even Houston Street, I think you were talking about, was it Houston Street or Canal Street? One of oh, those yeah. big boulevards, they've created the whole middle section as a landscaped space. I don't know that we would have considered that before. You know, in years past.
1: Sure. No, I think. Um, it, it
0: seems like it's a priority. Yeah,
1: and I think it's a priority for private and public because also our clients can be pri- private clients who are creating public space. I mean, public spaces, and we said it before, and so I don't want to repeat, but it is it's being reconceptualized, and so so places in front of um, you know office buildings, yeah. privately owned public space is and that's been a dedication by the city for years you know pops i don't know if you know the term but then i'd even say it offers me an opportunity to talk about how i use public space a lot right now which is that i have two small children and we go to playgrounds and playgrounds and parks and what the parks department and you know this city offers so much opportunity for all sorts of users people with children people without children you know I, it just i i now find that that one of my favorite landscapes are are are, are parks that kids can play in and, we, yeah, and I playgrounds mean, and
0: and they've been there's been an incredible and dedication they're great. to them there's And a, they're refurbished the and oh gorgeous. yeah I mean and then also we have to think about how Herald Square has changed and they've stopped the traffic and expanded where the Oh sure and traffic calming and, and all that and, and Times Square the same thing Oh, yeah. and what I have I think it's a, such an excellent question yeah. and it's probably the whole Antithesis of tonight, but what I've noticed about all of these new spaces, these new integrated spaces, is that they're used. I mean, oh, they're used. They're full. It's not totally. like, oh, guys, you thought that we should have this sitting space in Times Square and nobody sits in it. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. They're being used constantly. constantly. So it's working. It's, yeah, it's for really sure. Working. for sure. It's exciting. It's, it's, it is. It's it's very very exciting. <laughs> uh, so here's a question that I think. Um, kind of piggybacks onto that. This is from Rachel W. Why? Why do you think um, that parks mean so much to us? What, why do you think we? Why do you? Why do we go to Central Park?
1: Right. Well, I mean, we live in a city, and and you know, having having a sp- space to be outside is just endlessly important. It's good for your mind and body and soul. And you know, if you don't have the opportunity, living in the dense urbanization you know urban condition that we that we do then you know just having a place to go outside and and read a book i mean i i I don't know if that's too simple a a thing to say but i just
0: i mean i think it goes a little bit to the opening is that it just is a part of us we're just drawn to it it just, there's an immediate reaction to it. I always use the phrase that when I pull into my gravel driveway, my shoulders mm. drop, right? Mm-hmm. There's something about that. When you walk into Central Park, you walk into my teeny little square park in front of me. It's different than being sure. on the street. So it is important. It, it There's an emotional reaction to it. Yeah. And I think that it allows, one of the things that I enjoy so much about my square is that the kids and the dogs are so active, right? True. It's so fun to see them safe off of the street and mm-hmm. the kids throwing the ball around or kicking the and ball around. And you talk around. to
1: people. And you talk to and people. And you talk to people who, yeah. have, who have a dog but or have a it's kid. A very it's very much a part an...
0: of the neighborhood and a part of the community. Exactly. Here's a question from <laughs> Frank, the contractor. So this question makes sense. Do you design for maintenance as well?
1: Ah, that's a great question. And that was when David sort of started me on a conversation about that, but we we you have to I mean that we pick plants we try to you know think about the use of the space and in the maintenance of the space and I've had an opportunity to work on projects over a long period of time so we can be involved in the maintenance and be involved in the um, selection of plants if they're not performing well. Um, there's a, a lower Manhattan site that we've been able to be involved with. Um, for a long time and that's been a great opportunity um but you know there there's also the public realm and um and skateboarders i mean you yeah, know like scared. you Sorry know things God. that things are 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 ridden hard yeah. and and so you have to uh you Think can't you can't always design for everything that happens but um we are always interested in the successes and failures of our design so that we can just continue to to, to make to make sustainable landscapes on on a, on a lot of levels, I mean irrigation, you know, all of that stuff. All it's, of just, that it's stuff. just it's just hugely you know, important. It, so it's a great question it's and a I, really great question. I hope we can continue to be better at it because I don't think I think there's always an opportunity to be better at that.
0: Well, listen, I mean, I'll tell you from interior design world, of course, we design for maintenance. I think about it constantly. And it's about what the room is used for, who's using the room, where are the feet going, what's happening, you know, food wise or Mm -hmm. or we we think about these things constantly and we make the suitable choices because if not, you create an environment that is worrisome and and then upsetting and mm-hmm. that's not the idea that's not the idea at all here's from aster seven this is a good question what tends not to be successful too many plants too many focuses not having a central uh concept yeah maybe all of that. yeah maybe all of that <laughs> maybe all of that yeah that's great this is great okay real quick this is for me i say this for last okay what about weeds, damn it? I deal with weeds constantly. I never see weeds in professional public space installations. What the hell? Do you guys have a special magic weed formula?
1: I don't know about that. I've been on some weed, weedy sites. <laughs> oh, my God. It's um, so
0: for me. Yeah. If you want to find me on a Sunday morning, it's Pulling Weeds. Hardy, I can't uh, thank you enough. It was a great was pleasure. We literally didn't even get through half of these questions. So you're gonna have We're to gonna come keep back talking and <laughs> come back on and do all that. Um, so thank
1: you. Of I course. Really, I, I really, really enjoyed it, David. It's a great conversation.
0: I'm so I'm so glad. I wanna thank everybody here at talkradio.nyc and of course schoolhouse, number six productions. I, I couldn't do it without you and I wouldn't wanna try. Benjamin Keegan for my music. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at home with DTI and take a look at my website, which is Um, And join me next week. Uh, we are going to have one of a, a really interesting interior designer that we have known each other on the what parameter, I guess. I think we've met each other once. We literally had a project two houses away in San Francisco. We're both New York interior designers. Then we had projects two blocks away from each other in Miami. And we're going to talk all about uh, Miami design and New York design next week with interior designer Ray Martin. It should be a lot of fun. I like Ray, and I think it will be the first time that I've actually spent an hour with him talking. So that will be really, really good. Um Listen, stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home.